Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so thrilled to welcome back Wade Rouse, who writes under Viola Shipman. He has been on my podcast, I think this might be his third time. And it's almost to the year that he was, to the day, December 1st, from last year. So really, like, we're on a yearly cycle. And I just (laughs) said to him, I feel like I can't usher in the holidays without chatting with him. Um, We are here to talk about The Wishing Bridge, which I loved. I can't wait to talk about this. I, I I honestly don't even know what to say, Wade. I just like see you and I'm instantly, it's joy. So welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, I feel like it is. It's I feel like we're Santa and the sleigh. We're connected in that way. <laughs> yes. Like I am ready to go all in and you're just going to guide me through my memories and nostalgia of Christmas <laughs> and grandparent. Like that's what I feel Cause I just know that you get it. Like you just get it. All of it. Like you get that whole holiday. There's just something to it. And you always just understand. And I feel like that's what pours out into your books, which is why it's like your books come out. We're ready for the holidays. You're like the Hallmark movie of like the book world. Thank we know you. we're I, ready. <laughs> that means I always say it's like the first snow, you know, it's yes. time. It's ready. It's time, but we were chatting before, and this is your second book out this year because your summer book came out, Famous in a Small Town, which I also loved, um, but I I have Wishing Bridge top to mind, but I loved Famous in a Small Town. And that also, not a holiday book, but the nostalgia, the appreciation of elders and those connections that are so meaningful um, I loved in famous in a small town. Thank you. Love Thank it. you. know, it's it is a it's as you know, as we all know, it's a insane world right now. And it is um, you know, what I try to do in everything that I write is kind of focus on those things that unite us or bring us comfort or escape, or happiness, or joy, or that feeling of just being safe again. Mm-hmm. That's um, a lot of what I've been focusing on a lot in my recent books, because I think we need that. I need that right now. I think we all need that. You said misty-eyed books. These books make you misty-eyed. And I, you know, I kind of compare them to a warm hug, or I call them a rope of hope, you know, thrown out into the ocean for somebody that needs that lifeline right now. And that's, that's what I hope readers get out of it. I mean, that's what I I love all of that. It is a warm hug. It is a rope of hope. It's all of the things. And I think if people, they should go back and listen, I was looking at our old episodes and like, we really clock in like right under an hour. So people should really (laughs) go back, listen to all, because I think we've talked about so many meaningful things. And I always feel like so inspired after I talk with you, but the Wishing Bridge was no exception. I think, like I said to you before we started recording, <clears throat> um, you took the nostalgia level up for me. And I didn't think that that was possible. <laughs> it was, you know, this it is uh, this is a really full on nostalgic book. As we were talking before we went on, you know, everything from growing up with the Sears Montgomery Ward's wish books, you know, when you would get them in the mail, folks that don't know what that is, pre-Amazon, we would get these buick sized catalogs in the mail that listed every toy or piece of clothing that a boy or girl could ever want and you would spend weeks going through that circling what you wanted for your mom or your grandma or aunt and uncle to get you and then kind of you know i always got a red pen my brother always got a green pen because santa would have to know whose was who um like that narrowed it down right yes and uh And it just, it was, that was our world back then. That was everything. So that's, you know, that's a lot of what I recall from my memories because there is, and I swear to you, I don't want to sound like my father, but there was something a little more um, beautiful to me than jumping on Amazon and picking something out that's delivered. It takes, there's, there's, it's convenient, but there's less beauty Mm -hmm. in that. I agree. I agree. I think it's changed. I mean, even just 
I had to go out on Black Friday in the morning to grab a few things. And because of the internet, and I get it, it is very convenient, but Black Friday used to feel like this big rush that like Mm -hmm. you had to get out there early people. And I appreciate, you know, that they're not open on Thanksgiving or they don't open at midnight for obviously all of the employees, but like even just the early morning rush. And I was out at 730 and there was like no one to be found. And I'm like, it's because the sales start two days before and you can just order it. You don't even have to bother. And of course, there's something in that as well. But I agree. I think going out, looking, touching, will this person love this? I I have it. This is exciting. You know, like I got the last one or whatever. There's something exactly. magical. Do you remember when you'd rush, you'd go to the malls and you would spend like, all weekend there and then you would you know you'd narrow the list and you'd return and and there was just that rush of people like you're saying an excitement and you felt i always felt um kind of wrapped up in the holiday spirit because there was Mm -hmm. all that excitement with people being out and it's that's you know it's just online has changed that it's never going to return but I do love still, like I talk about in this book, even like going out and shopping. I love to pick mm-hmm. out ornaments for people that I love. You know, I like to touch it. I like to feel it. Um, I like to pick it out personally. And I'm, you know, I do a lot of online shopping. I mean, I'm a shopper. But, yeah. <laughs> um, there's still something beautiful about, you know, that that kind of tactile feeling and being kind of being in the holiday rush again. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that. And I I think you're right. I think it's going to just keep evolving and changing. And at some point, my, I feel like stores will be less and less, which will be yeah. such a bummer, Um, especially like those mom and pop cute little shops that, you know, you love, you have favorites places that you're like, oh, I have to go in there. And that's my fear for them. You summed, and you summed up another reason that I wrote The Wishing Bridge. You know, it's set in this um, magical little um, Christmas town, real Christmas town called Frankenmuth, Michigan, which is annually named one of the cutest Christmas towns in the world, truly, by New York Times, Condé Nast. It looks like a Bavarian village plucked from the Alps on the eastern side of Michigan. And it's got the world's largest Christmas store, truly the world's largest Christmas store that's called Bronner's. Wegner's is patterned after it. Um, it has a fudge shop, taffy shop, German cheese house, two dueling chicken restaurants across from the street from each other that serves up like, you know, old German platters of food. And there is, um, it's all small business, just like the Mm -hmm. little resort town I live in. And there's something beautiful about that. You know, I grew up going, I grew up in rural America and we went to the town square. You know, everything in that little town square was the world at the time. You know, you had the jeweler and you had the little, clothing maker and um there wasn't a Walmart um you know there wasn't you know huge restaurants there wasn't an olive garden so you everything kind of transpired in those kind of four corners on the street mm-hmm. and um I wanted to recreate that in the wishing bridge I wanted kind of that that old small town feel and you know the spirit of the American entrepreneur and dream and how difficult that is to keep going in America that's a big part of the book yeah, no, I I could visualize everything, but I'm going to have to go on a deep dive to look up the actual town because that is like the funnest. And I'm sure they probably get visitors all year just for that fact. It, they do. It is. It is. It's great in the summer, but Christmas is really when it shines. I mean, they have a they have a massive tree in the center of town. Um, it's they have a glockenspiel that plays the Westminster Times. They have, you know, it comes out and they have wooden figurines that recreate the Pied Piper. It is just, it's, it's, it looks fake. It looks like a Hallmark fake town, but it's real. So yeah, everybody Google Frankenmuth, Michigan, and it is mind-numbingly adorable. Okay, I'm Googling it. Okay, tell us before we get into the the why and everything, give us like a um, overview pitch of what this about the wishing, what the wishing bridge is about. Yeah, it's about um, a girl named Henry Wagner, full Bavarian names here, that grows up in Frankenmuth, Michigan, to a father who had a dream of wanting to bring Christmas to people year round. You know, what do people do in a small town when you have a dream that's different? They think you're, you know, out of your mind. 
And yet he built it out of his parents' basement, um, kind of based on the real story of the real Christmas shop in Frankenmuth, Michigan. And, you know, his dream is that he will leave it to his daughter. You know, she'll be kind of his Christmas princess that takes it over. And she doesn't want that. You know, she sees her life already kind of planned out for her in this little town. You know, she's she's going to get married to her, her childhood sweetheart. She's going to be best friends forever with the girl whose parents own the chicken restaurant in town. You know, who will forever wear a dirndl and serve egg noodles. And she doesn't want that. So she takes off on her own and becomes a very successful executive in, in Detroit, but is now a mergers and acquisitions executive, which is, we all know, they cut companies down to the quick and sell them off to the highest bidder. She's not happy anymore, but she does love the money and the power and the benefits and all the things that we need in this world. And she hears she's going to lose her job if she doesn't make a deal by the end of the year. So she can desperately tells her young boss that she can convince her parents now in their 70s to sell that little shop, which has now grown into the world's largest independently owned Christmas store to a company that needs an image overhaul. So she returns home, which she never does at the holidays under a ruse for a visit, but it's really to convince them to sell. And, you know, she sees everything through fresh eyes as an adult, you know, what her father built, what she left, what she lost. And, um, it's very different. And I, I always say it sounds a little bit like a Hallmark movie and authors have to give readers all of that, you know, the setting and the vibe and the feel and the emo stuff that you want in a Hallmark movie. But I really tried to hit on topics that are much deeper as well. You know, um, the dis bad decisions we make um, in our lives, um, how much just bad timing affects us, what loss does to us. Um, in our life, you know, trying to recreate traditions anew. Can you do that as an adult? Um, and it's a really, I think, a beautiful story about the magic and meaning of Christmas. And, you know, all those things that we take for granted. Um, we always come home for Christmas to tell people we love them. Why don't we do that more often during during the year? Um, so it, it, it kind of weaves in a lot of those bigger topics, I think. And I, I love this book. It's one of my favorites that I've written today. I loved it too. Like I said, I, there were so many things and you did hit on a, on a lot of different topics, but there were so many things just reading through the story and seeing it all through Henry's eyes. And I think one of the things you just mentioned that I didn't even think of um, is, you know, I think you grow up somewhere and you want to get out or you want to move and maybe you don't, I don't know, but I know growing up in, in a small town, I was like, I can't wait to leave. And a lot of people don't. And, and as a kid, I was like, ugh, I hate this place. This is the worst. And now when I go back, I'm like, I love this place. It's so great. And when I tell people I'm from there, they're like, it's so beautiful, you know. And I'm like, it really is. And if you asked me as a teenager, it took me to actually move away, go to school, you know, in Boston to see that, like, the things that are in front of you as you when you're so young that you take advantage of or don't realize become these like part integral parts of you. And, you know, I think, like you said, Henry goes back to do this, you know, to to take this over from her parents or have them sell. But she sees and you do these flashbacks, which I loved, like of her, you know, as a teen and all these things. And um I loved that nostalgia piece of it because I feel like as you get older, that's what happens. You think you go back home and, and you're instantly brought back to certain parts of your life that mean so much to you. Yeah, it's, and we're very similar. You know, I grew up in small town America and all I wanted to do was get out. You know, mm -hmm. I lived in Chicago. I lived in St. Louis for many years. And now I split my time between two resort towns, <laughs> two small towns again. And I do, I see, I think like you, what I gave up in an entire, entirely new light as an adult. Um, this, you know, not only are the towns I live in beautiful and quaint and different than much mm -hmm. of America, but there's also a sense of community um, that I took for granted that I had growing up. And I think we, many of us really need that more than ever these days. Um, 
I had this great conversation with um, Robin Carr who wrote Virgin River. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's like, you know, all of these kind of small town um, things that I was made fun of for writing about many years ago are back in vogue again, because we miss that, you know, it's mm-hmm. much more of a disconnected world in many ways. And so we hearken for that and need that. But I'm like you, I see, I love to travel. I love to go to big cities. I, I do enough of that. I think that when I return, I know it's home. And mm-hmm. I value that greatly. So yeah, I wanted her to see, and I love writing about environment. I love setting, writing about setting because it changes us. It makes us who we are. And sometimes when we're pushed into a new environment, mm-hmm. um, either for a short period of time or a longer period of time, we 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 get shell shock. You know, our, it's a shock to our system, and we change um, very much when we when we're forced out of that comfort zone and have to see things in a new way. Yeah. No, I agree one thousand percent, and I think. I think she, the other piece of it is with Henry and, you know, her sort of, she has this guilt. So she goes there, she has this, that she's going to do it, but she also has this guilt and it's almost like, which we understand and you'll, and I don't want to spoil for people as the story plays out, but that sometimes I feel that just from in the past being like, I hated growing up here, you know, this like it's like you go back and you're like, oh my God, you know, there's this feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't have felt this way. Or, you know, I don't know. I can't describe it, but it's, I don't know what the feeling is, but I sort of was reading when I was reading the story and seeing Henry and I was like, you know, I I get her. And I felt the same sort of feels that she felt not only going back home, but the things that you just take for granted that you don't realize. And as you get older, especially when you're like a teenager and in your twenties, it's very like me centric. And, you know, you, you don't realize until later when you've had, you know, time to think about it and time away. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a really great, you're the first um, interviewer that's ever really broached this. I haven't talked about it, but that is a really big thing is I really wanted to talk a lot about just kind of, kind of those various levels of guilt that we all mm-hmm. experience. Um, some we bring on ourselves, but some are just natural. You know, it's, she's a girl that grew up in a little town and wanted to leave. Yeah. Her dad loved her. She loved him. They didn't do anything wrong by any stretch. And yet there is this guilt that, that weighs and hangs your entire life. It does for her. And it does for many of us. You know, I left. I wanted to for my own for my own happiness, but I feel bad. I did that. I left my parents behind. I left my family. I left my town, my brother, my sister, whatever it is. And that weighs on us in many ways. And, you know, I think affects her and her love life, um, friendships, the fact that she's given so much up for career. So I did, I really want to explore how that, how that really impacts us. And it does her entire family too. You know, her dad by not wanting to push himself on her, um, her mother just wanting her to be happy and go out. Her brother who doesn't really trust her and, you know, felt like he gave up everything just because he needed to stay home because she was gone. You know, everybody's affected by those decisions. Yeah, no. And and I think, too, the other piece is just with family, whether it's your actual family or maybe friends that are family, whatever that may be, and just you know, when you make those those decisions and you come back, still the acceptance and whether or not it was a mistake or not, you know, just coming back home. And I think she, you know, she's wanting to do this deal for herself and to better herself in her career. But sometimes it just takes, you know, time around your family or people you grew up with to realize what's important and, you know, those types of things. That's exactly it is returning to um, what I call our founda- our core foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandma used to always say this every time. My grandma used to always say, you know, life's as short as one blink of God's eye, but we forget in that matter, in that minute, in that blink, what matters most. And it's each other. It's the simplest of things. And we get caught up, we all do, um, with career, um, 
you know, family, money, um, travel, things that we feel that we need. And um, sometimes it guides us a little bit off course. And when all of that begins to fade away or something happens in your life, um, it could be traumatic, it could be great, whatever it is, it kind of recenters you in many ways and makes you appreciate. I think, you know, look at what COVID did for so many of us. It made us, it brought us back in many ways. It was awful, but it also brought us back to what mattered most. Yeah, I I agree. Um, okay, and then just still under the same umbrella, but more of the Christmassy traditions piece. And like you mentioned, there's this massive store in the book um, and this you know, she's thinking about all of these Christmases past and things that were so important to her. What, and what was like your why behind this book? What was the reasoning? Cause I feel like uh-huh. with all of your Christmas books, you've mentioned your grandma, like there's always, but what was the why behind this aside from the few sort of topics you discussed? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, every book I write, I, I was, you know, I'm not like an Eric Larson writer. You know, I'm not going to go into the Library of Congress, lock myself <laughs> in for months and get a thrill out of that. I'm very, very different. I I like writing from a wellspring of memory. Mm-hmm. I have to be, I think I'm just like you or anyone listening to you or any reader. I'm very emotional. I'm affected um, greatly by how I feel on a daily basis. And so I can't write unless I feel that. And this Weirdly enough, this book started with a Zillow notification um, that I got on my phone from a friend that my former childhood home in the Ozarks was for sale. Um, It had had sold. I moved my father out when he was older um, into a smaller place, Um, but it hadn't sold until then. And um, somebody sent me this notification and I looked at pictures and I went down this wormhole thinking of, again, my grandmother and my mother and growing up in the small town where Christmases were magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never felt safer in my life. And, you know, one of the things I used to do with my grandma was I baked with her at Christmas with my aunts, my great aunts, my mom, and we would make sugar cookies, you know, cut them out with the cookie cutters. Um, I love the Santa ones because you could frost his beard like a mile high. <laughs> and we would always bake those cookies. And then I didn't realize this until I was researching this book that um, we'd watch a Charlie Brown Christmas, which came out the year I was born in 1965. And so I would always, I have this seminal memory of sitting on my grandmother's couch in her living room, which was about 180 degrees all year round and watching a Charlie Brown Christmas and eating those Santa cookies and a glass of eggnog and have never feeling safer in my life. So, like nothing was ever going to harm me. Um, And you grow up and realize as we were talking, I'm gonna leave. My grandmother was preparing me to leave. And what happens when you do that? You know, you, you know, traditions will change. The people that you love will age and pass. Things aren't gonna be the same. Um, But watching that Charlie Brown Christmas special with my grandmother, we started a tradition. We always went to the Ozarks tree farm. We'd cut a tree down for her, for my parents. But after we started watching that when I was young, my grandmother used to take me to the back of the tree lot and we'd dig up a little Charlie Brown tree, you know, that lonely little sad sapling. And she put a little pot and we'd put a blanket around it and it'd sit on her Formica dining room table and watch us bake. And we started taking those trees and to my parents' house and planting them because we lived on eight acres, but we, there was a road that fronted our house. And she thought one day they'd make a nice border, be sweet to plant them. And so I got that Zillow notification and I looked and all of those trees we planted were a forest, a huge forest of trees. You couldn't even see the road anymore. And I remembered the first thing my when we planted that first tree, the thing my grandma told me was she goes, just watch. It's amazing what can grow with a little love. And um, I started bawling looking at the, the, my childhood I'm home. like bawling listening to you tell me about this. And just remembering all of that. And that started the idea is 
truly, I didn't even have an idea for the book, but it was, I would start with kind of an idea. My idea was, you know, what if you grow up having those types of Christmases and you feel so safe and your, your family's preparing you, you know, you're going to have to leave. You are going to walk away from this. That's a good thing. They're preparing you, but you also, as I said, realize not going to be the same ever. So what does that do to you? How do you get that back? That was kind of like those foundational questions and issues I began to start writing about it. Before I, it's how I always do it. Before I have characters or a storyline or a setting or anything, I need to kind of wrestle with something bigger. And that's what I started with. I don't know what to say, Wade. I feel like this is why you write the books that you write because that a story like that and the things that you share are the, the exact heartbeat of every book that your memories come through, even though you're not writing about your exact memory, that piece of feeling that so many of us have about memories in our lives is what makes your books exactly what you said, the, the rope of hope and the warm hug. Like we all have things like that. And I agree. I think there's so many, um, not even just Christmas. I mean, I think of my Christmases and I had great Christmases and my parents didn't have like a bazillion dollars and they weren't Christmases weren't like they are for kids now, but it was like the big gift and like the fun stocking and, you know, you just wanted to look at your stuff all day, but they drag you to your grandparents and then you'd be like, but I'm going to get more gifts there. Like, but then you're like, I just want to go back home to my other gifts. Like, and you know, I think about that all the time. And, you know, I try to think of like the last Christmas that we went to my grandparents and I obviously was like a teenager. Um, and you just don't know the last of things like the last you know, you yeah. just don't know that that's what it's going to be. So when you're talking about like looking back at pictures, it's like, those are the things you look at and you're like, you just don't know when those things will be over, but what can you take from them and put them into your own, whatever your new traditions may be, which sometimes I think is hard. Like it's hard to recreate, it but you can it give is. it. No, yeah, you ahead. can you can you can give it your own spin. That's what yeah. I always tell people: take kind of you know fundamental traditions, but make them your own. And you know, I was on a huge book tour for for the Wishing Bridge, and the world is different. You know, so many mothers, grandmothers came to events, and they're like, you know, my kids live everywhere now. You know, they you know they live mm -hmm. across the coast, or they live in London, or they can't visit as often um, and it's hard and that's a piece that's kind of a heart heart of the book too but I always say I bet you they are making a dessert that you made even though they're not there I bet they're decorating a tree or putting up lights or putting out snow globes or making stock stocks you know, stockings for their kids, something that they did. I guarantee you they're doing something that recalls that. It's just maybe not the same. But, you know, that's that's a big piece is everything changes. It's going to change. But how, how do you hold on to a piece of that um, and move forward? And that's really what, that's really a big piece of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have so many thoughts, but I was going to say in the book, and I forget what the store is called because you said Bronner's, but it's not. Wagner's. It's, that's the original, Wagner's. Yeah. Wagner's. Um, and it reminded me of like a little miracle on 34th Street-ish uh. vibe. Um, what that is like and holding on like just holding on to and I know we talked about like the catalogs and stuff like that but you know how everything has to be so so much more like that it's not as simple like us you know it's and just in the store sense you know she wants to sell it this big you know they want to come in and who knows what they're going to do with it but taking away this you know part of everybody's tradition and 
you know, I remember like going to my grandparents down the Cape and there was a store there. I don't even know if it's still there called Snows and they were like a Christmas store and we would go there. And so I, I love the piece of that too, because I think like what you just said, it's a very different world and traditions change and things change, but the sort of battle of that, that there are these like we said, mom and pop places, but also this world is evolving so fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these things are at such high risk of going away. And, you know, Henry's struggle with that. And, you know, as it unfolds in the story, you know, just, I don't know, it was just, it's just, there was so many things, like you said, you, you went on so many different levels aside from it being, you know, a Christmas story and to think about that. And just even from my childhood, and we were talking about this year's catalog and those things to what, you know, my kids are like, my son, the other day, one of his friends was like, well, how, how am I going to know, you know, how to do my Christmas list? And he goes, do you have, um, does your dad have the notes app on his phone? You you can just copy and paste the links there. I was like, he's seven. I'm like, oh God, you know, like that's what we're dealing with. Whereas like I say to them, I'm like, you have to write it out, look online, write it on a piece of paper. And they're like, glaze, you know, uh -huh. like, eh? now links, link it all. It is. And, and I'm, they still get excited by that. You know, yeah, it's still, there's still, there is. And that's what I always remember. It's just, I, you know, as you said, I worry we, you know, we're, we're being swallowed alive by a whale of sameness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's hard. You know, it's all of these independent stores, um, bookstores that I go to every single week of my life that rely on the community to stay alive, you know, that they're, they're dinosaurs in many ways. And that, that saddens me because, you know, I just don't want the entire world to be, you know, a strip mall of, <laughs> you know, of a, yes. you know, of, of a Panera and, you know, and a mattress store and a Starbucks and the God knows I, I eat, I drink my weight in Starbucks every week. I do. Um, and I have the app and I gather the points and that, you know, it's, but it does make me sad that that's all we are. I mean, there is a whale of uniformity that's just swallowing the world. Um, and it's, it's, that makes me sad in many ways because unique is fabulous. And, you know, we, we're, we, we're losing that a little bit. Yeah, I, we are, we are. And I'm laughing because, um, my son's name is Finn who said WhatsApp. Ah. And so when I saw that in the book, I was like, good name choice. Okay, how did you pick? I I do not know a Finn. It's always been one of my favorite names. How did you choose that? I chose, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh. And, but I am, I have no shame. I'm gonna be totally transparent. I never knew a Finn growing up either. And my husband and I, when we were first married, one of the shows we watched together was Glee. Yeah. And Corey Monteith was Finn. Yeah. And I remember hearing the name and like the first episode. And I was like, I love that name. And I, after we got married, I had a notebook of names for kids. Yeah. Like whenever you're going to have kids, I still have the piece of paper. And my girl list was really long. And I was like, oh, if I it, like I was dreading having a boy because I was like, I like no, no names. There was no names. And I wrote down Finn and Finn's my second. Chloe's my first. Chloe's still on, on that list, too. And they were like, I found out they're like, you're having a boy. And I was like, Finn, there's no looking back. Like, I was like, I love that name so much that there was just no looking back. But it, it really came from Glee. I love that. And I remember that's the first time I really remember hearing. I just think it is one of the most gorgeous names um, for a boy. I really do. I think it's I a beautiful it. name. I love it. It's a great name. So when I saw that, I, I chuckled because I'm like, my Finn is very much into Christmas, obviously doing his list on a notes app, very organized. <laughs> um, but OK, I'm going to ask you one more question about um, the book. 
Who was your favorite character to write? Because you really, that's the other thing that I love is you, because you have these books with like the small town vibe and setting, you always have this like colorful cast of characters. You have your main characters, but there's always like fun Mm -hmm. little side characters too that always play an important role. So I'm curious to know who is your favorite. I love, I love secondary characters in a book. Um, because they're they, they're in many ways, they're like the mirrors to the main mm-hmm. characters. It's like our best friends. They, you know, they see us and know us better than anybody. Yeah. Um, they're our other half. And that's why I love, um, there were many in this one. I loved Shep, which is her childhood boyfriend. I love that name too. I, I it was a good too. name. <laughs> I did I loved my names in this. I liked him because, um, you know, in this book, I went real simple on themes and like, especially with romance and love, what sometimes is the worst thing that happens to all of us? It's just timing. Mm-hmm. Somebody can love us and we're not fully there yet. Somebody could ask us to marry us and it's not the right time. Um, career could take, you know, mm-hmm. over. I love that because he is a victim of timing in many ways mm-hmm. um, and begins to learn he never changes, but begins to mature a lot um, in life. I love Gertie, the 90-year-old um, painter in the store. She does hand paints all of the ornaments. I loved her so much. We named our new rescue dog after her. Um, I love that. And then I love Sophie, which is um, Henry's best friend. Her who best just kind friend. Of, she slings one-liners like she does, um, you know, her egg noodles. And I just, I love her because she was funny. And I she's based on one of my best friends who I, but dial constantly, you know, it's always that it's that, you know, would you, they're like, what am I listening to? I hear yeah. your, you know, your butt just <laughs> rustling. So I, I love, I love her in the book too. I, I did love her too. And I did love Shep. And I think that that was a whole other, like take even out Christmas and you're right. That was the whole storyline of where there was so much nostalgia buried into that storyline mm-hmm. and coming back and, those feelings and just that story playing out. And yeah, I don't know. I just think you in all of your books, honestly, not even just the Christmas ones, you just are somebody who people will read and whether or not they see you in live or listen to a podcast will say like, I feel like I know him because you share memories and things about your life that people just can relate to and you're really real about that and your 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 upbringing and your life is such a huge part in your books and I think like I've said a million times is why you do get misty-eyed because we didn't grow up in your life but we certainly have our own things that we reflect on and think about that not every day you can pause and think about that. So I always am so thankful after reading any of your books because it's a whole journey that is like you're just taken back and you think about people in your life and times in your life that are you don't get to think about all the time until like that muscle is flexed and then you can really think about it. Thank you. That Thank you. That means the world. And, you know, I, I work really hard and I was saying this on book tour to make my books accessible to readers. I, I want them to be able to have a connection to what I'm writing. I could write in a completely different style or manner. Um, you know what, you know, we asterisk and quote it and call it more literary or more highbrow or a way that um, uses fancier language I work hard not to do that because Mm -hmm. I want any reader from eight to 80 to be able to connect with the books in a really human way. Um, And so I always make a point. I just, I did an event with Kristen Harmel in Florida and we were talking about this. I make a point to do that because I want readers to connect with it, not the opposite way. Don't Mm -hmm. think, you might not think I'm, the smartest writer in the world, but you know what? I work dang hard not to be like that as well. I just want people to connect with it. And that's all that matters. Walk away with something that touches you. 
Yeah. I don't, you just have to keep writing them. You just got to keep writing them and then we'll just keep reading and connecting and, and doing all the things. Um, do you have, so going into 2024, are you doing two again? No, we're taking a okay. baby You're break. taking, so okay. My next book isn't out until February, 2025. Um, so it is, and it's- That feels I know. far. That feels too it's far. A far. baby break. I thought you were going to be like, I'm not putting something out till the fall. This so is next winter. We, <laughs> we actually, we're actually, it was supposed to come out late next summer. And there was um, like, it's a very, I'm writing a very Viola book, but it's very different thematically. It's about a young romance writer who grew up with a very snotty literary elitist family. Um, who run a publishing house in New York. And she always wanted to be a romance writer. And they kind of, you know, look down their noses at what she wants to do. And she ends up finding a manuscript hidden in her grandmother's summer cottage um, that upends all of their lives. Um, so it's a very different type of book. It looks very hard at publishing today. Um, you know, why, you know, for instance, what I write is called women's fiction. What men write is called fiction or literary fiction. Um, what um, authors, you know, who are female, who are gay, who are diverse, have to go through to get their work recognized and looked at. Um, so it's a, it's a bigger book for me on many ways. Um, so they wanted a little more time just to make sure they're going to get it Right. So um, we're excited. So back after I, that, I think we'll be back into a routine again. I, that sounds amazing. I can't wait Thanks. for that. Excited. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait the year and change for that. <laughs> I mean, you can, we can always revisit, you know, and reread your other books that's, to tide us over. That's true. Maybe you'll get, and maybe you'll get a, you'll get a galley earlier. So it'll, you know, it'll feel well, like I, a holiday. I hope. I can only hope. Um, okay. Now these are new questions for the chic list. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I'm pretty sure. Cause if you were here last December, I changed them in January. So they'll be new. Um, okay. The author that inspired or inspires you the most and why? Ooh, um, gosh, that's a great, you know, and, and, um, my publicist sent me and I never look at your questions because I don't, I don't like to like, Think about it. Uh, I like to be surprised. You know, I, I'm going to say Jodi Picoult. Um, I think she's not only an incredible writer, I think that she challenges herself with each and every book that she writes. Um, yeah. She takes incredible risk, um, is a brilliant writer, and I love that she is never formulaic and constantly surprises me. She's great. I can see that too. Just having read her over the years, her work can do yeah. And she just really goes there on topics that are so relevant and they're just, yeah, she creates great conversation, which is important. Um, okay. Current TV binge series. Oh my God. How much time do you have? Okay. Give um, me three. Give me three that you're watching. Cause I'm curious. I told you. Just finished Sex Education, which I love. Okay. I don't know if you've ever watched that. I haven't. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. Um, I just finished Heartstopper, which I really <gasps> liked as well. Um, okay, I okay. Finish. I have to go back to that. And I just finished Ted Lasso, which I was holding off on because I didn't really want it to end. Um, so those were, but I. There's a zillion others. Just finished Dead to Me in the middle of the yes. great. I love. Yeah. Um, it's I. It's, we binge. That's what I do. And then I binge. Like right now, I go through all the holiday movies and kind of binge those. I'm an addictive personality. I I'm coming over. I just want to binge with you and Gary. Oh, and you can. You will sit there. All you will be popcorn. You will get whatever you want, and it's just full on. I'm coming. I'll be there it's tomorrow. Fun. It it's sounds fun. fun. Um, I have I had interviewed an author. We were talking about like how teen shows aren't like they used to be. 
like in the 90s and stuff like that. And she was like, the only show I really can um, think of that sort of reminds me of shows from teen shows from like the 90s and early 2000s was Heartstopper. So I was like, okay, I'm adding that to my list, but I'm reading. I've read all of them. I just pre-ordered five. So and I don't really read graphic. I don't read graphic novels, but you can read them in like a day. They're so easy. And I can't I don't even know if I can watch the show because I'm reading these books and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, they just it's so much in a good way. There is a genuine sweetness Mm -hmm. that I haven't seen in a show like this um, that is quite lovely. You know, it really is. I've I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed, I mean, all the characters are amazing. You know, a lot of issues that they're going through, but there is just a genuine sweetness Mm -hmm. to it that I just find irresistible. Okay. I can't wait to start it, but I'm a little scared, but I'm excited. I think you'll love Um, it. Okay. Last favorite book and current read. Oh my gosh. Last really favorite book would probably be Lessons in Chemistry. I know the whole entire world feels that so way. Um, but it is. It was great. And I'm going to say the next one I actually have right, sitting right here. Um, I don't know if you know, there's a novelist named Jamie Brenner. Um, um, she, yes, she, I do. I don't have that. So it's her new one, and I'm. She asked me to endorse it, so I'm in the I'm yes. in the middle of it. I'm quite taken right now, so it's um it's it's going, and I actually have some reading time, so I'm really thrilled to do that. So I'm saying she's up on my list. I think it's out okay. in August. She's one of my favorite people, authors. I've talked to her, Emily. I love her so much, but we've been waiting very- because her last book, and I'm totally blanking. I just see the cover of it right now with the um. The rose guilt. guilt. No, guilt. no, not guilt. That was no. the last one. The one before guilt. I loved too about the jewelry and then and oh, the, yeah, yeah. the jewelry house. But I'm my one of my top favorite books was um, oh my gosh, I'm just seeing the cover, but it's a it's kind of like not like yours, but that girl they go to the vineyard. She she's going exactly. through like the Jackie Collins, yeah. and it's the vineyard and the family. I can't think of the name, but that. I just love her. She writes. She's great. I'm excited and for she's that. Very, and she's very cool. I always tell her she's very she's cool. So cool. She, I don't even know. I've never met her in person, but just what I've seen him, like, she seems so cool. Okay. Yeah, I always say if I, if I ever wore anything like she tried to wear, I would look like a complete jackass. That's what okay. I tell her. <laughs> I don't know. You could spin it and do it. I feel, um, sand or snow. Oh, Sand. I mean, Michigan has snow and I love to write about snow. I love the first snow, but I'm full on summer beach warmth. That's my vibe. That's where you're, you're not there now. No, we're in Palm Palm Springs. Springs. Okay. Remember with the trees. full sun and I just, I am, and I love going to the beach. I actually, I write, I like to write, I write longhand a lot on the beach too. So I love something about the sand and the pages and just, I love Love that. Love it. Coffee or tea order? Um, coffee always. <laughs> um, and I, I'm going out. It's probably going to like at Starbucks or the Indy coffee. I always do like um, a triple grande, non-fat, no whip, white mocha. So I will wow. do. I like a lot of caffeine, a little bit of sugar to get me going, and I drink. I'm trying to be better here at home. I have my own frother, but I still make my own coffees here when I don't. Yeah. Okay. That sounds yum. Um, Favorite bookstagram account? Oh, my gosh. Um, That's a great question. Um, I'm trying. I don't want to offend anybody. No, just do one that you love. It doesn't have to be the favorite. There's one um, called Nurse Bookie that I really like that is, um, she of course loves my books, but she's also, it's, um, she gets a lot of different aspects of life and books and kind of does a great, it's not all high, I'm giving away books. There's a correlation between her life and what she's reading. And I like that. Oh, I like that too. Okay. Nurse Bookie. Um, 
Name an author you'd love to have coffee or a cocktail with. Oh my gosh. Uh, there are many. Oh my gosh. He would be a great, I'm trying to think he would be a great one. Okay. I did it with her. I'm going to pick her. I had her on my wine and words with Wade podcast and I adored her mother, who was one of my greatest influences, but I'm going to say Victoria Benton Frank. I um, agree. She, she's <laughs> hilarious. Mm -hmm. She's, um, largely insane which i love and i think she would i think the night would go wrong in so many good ways i agree i had her on i was like in tears half the time she <laughs> is hysterical i love everything about her i follow as soon as she joined instagram i think after um her mom had passed and she had her own account because i know she still does her mom's you know account for her, you know, to still promote or whatever her books. And when she had her own account, um, I started following her and I would be crying laughing all at, for, through all of her stories because while, yes, she was writing her book, it was just like unhinged mothering children, oh. but also just like going through the grief that she goes through sometimes, yeah. like so many real emotions that you're like, she feels like your best friend. Like you just want to call her and be like, I'm dead. I'm dying. 100%. You're cracking me we, up. We finished and talked for another hour just about cooking and favorite recipes that she was sharing. And I told her her mother invited me to her when we were down in the Carolinas, invited me to her house. And it was one of the Rockest times I've ever been in my life. That woman got me wasted. We shot <laughs> off a cannon. It was like a weird Southern novel come to life. And I feel like she would do that again in real life. I mean, I think she, Victoria would make that happen. You shot off a cannon? She shot off, they had a cannon <laughs> at their house and we shot it off. And I'm I was dead. blind drunk, blind drunk. <laughs> I don't even remember getting home. I don't remember any. And there were classy authors there. I don't, I don't even know you're what like, happened. You're like, in my mind, I'm still there. Like, I called her the next day and I said, please tell me I didn't do anything because I have no memory. And she goes, you did, but it all stays here. It's all good. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. That is so amazing. Victoria would be fun. Yeah, she would be, I mean, I would like basically invited myself to her house because I was like, I want to come. I want to, whatever you're doing, I'm coming. She's great. I love that pick. Um, okay, who is your style icon? Oh, wow. Um, probably Tom Ford. Mm. I love, um, there's something about being classic with a twist, I think that is, especially for a man and a man my age that works beautifully. Um, sometimes it's not when I go out for events, it's not about pushing the envelope. Um, it's about um, respecting great clothes and good style and just giving that the slightest twist. And I think he does that beautifully. He also makes the best best colognes in the Cologne. world. Cologne, yeah. They're my every single cologne, but I have I have some some of his suits that I've had done that I that never go out of style that I can wear to really nice events and I think look great, like a classic tux. Yeah, just he's good investment pieces. Um, yeah. Just circling back to shows because you said Tom Ford, but he wasn't in it, but it made me think of it. Please tell me you watched the supermodels on Apple TV. So good. Yes. <gasps> so good. So like, good. Yeah. That so, was nostalgia for me because of all the old Revlon commercials. It's true. And th and you're exactly right. It's and that is something that's changed a lot too. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Yeah. But he is um, you know, I do, I have to say, I just bought a new one of his new fragrances. And I there I have two that are like I do winter and two that are really like summer. Um, and I stick to those now. Those are kind of my go-tos constantly. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I the supermodels was so good. And uh, okay. Axe body spray. You know. <laughs> You're like I switch it up a little high, a little low. I don't know. I go two bucks. I go five hundred yeah. bucks. 
Um, book that you wish they made a movie out of. Oh my gosh. Um, can I say one of mine? Yes. Uh, there's totally. a couple. I, I actually, there is, I can't say it yet, but we have one that's in development of mine that's that we're excited about. That, so maybe soon I can say something. Okay. Um, do you know, I love, there's two. There's, I wrote a novel called The Heirloom Garden that I think would be an incredible movie. Um, that's not the one that's going to be done, but I think it would make an incredible, um, incredible movie. Um, it's just, and I don't mean to make it all about me, but I will, <laughs> but it's a, there's a beautiful, I, there's just a lot of topics there that I think that could be beautifully um, done. It's a two very different female characters of two different generations. Uh, I, I just, I love that book a lot. And I, I wish they somebody would do something with it. I love that. You can always say your books. Okay, last question. Best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? Um, I could do both, but separate. For a writer, listen to your voice. It's all you got. Um, unlearn fear. Everybody will tell you you shouldn't be a writer. You will think what you write stinks, that you'll never make a dollar, that you should be doing something else. Um, unlearn all of that crud that society throws on us. Um, love yourself as a unique person. The easy thing to do is fit in. The hard thing to do is to be you. And that's what will make you a great writer or artist or whatever you want to do. Um, for a reader, um, support your indie bookstore, but also read what, don't let people tell you what you should read, read what you love to read, read what you need to read at that time in your life when you're searching for something, you know, answer your own questions. Um, don't always follow the zeitgeist because it will lead you to the book that you need at that time in your life. I love both of those things. And I love what you said. It's easy to fit in. It's hardest to be you. That's so good. It's really good. We all, we all, that's what we want, especially as teens. We, you know, we, it's easy to fit in because you don't want to get picked on or be called weird or different. And yet that's going to be the biggest disservice to you as you get older. Mm -hmm. Totally. I don't know if I, it's going to be hard for me to wait until next February to chat. I'm not going to lie. Well, we, that feels far. It's a long way. Can we, we just can have maybe, like a go? We can have a catch up. Okay. Cause I was like, maybe we can just pile all of the things we read and binge watched and then we can just talk about it. And let's do a non, we can do it. Let's yeah. Let's do our favorite things type of thing. Okay. We could do a favorite things episode. And I'll invite Gary and yes, please. We'll go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> Great. I need that. Will ha Gary has to bring his favorite things too. Oh, he'll bring he'll bring a lot of favorite things. Um, his whole life is just favorite things. So yeah, <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah, we, yeah, let's do that. That would be fun. That would be fun. Um, tell everyone where they can follow you on Instagram. Viola Shipman um, on Instagram and same on Facebook and follow away because we do a, a ton of giveaways and. Um, you know, I do a Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Wine and Words with Wade Facebook Live and interview authors and do office parties. And like this this December, we're doing all, we're doing tours, house strolls of our trees and our ornaments. And we're doing Santa's coming to a holiday party. And then we have tons of authors lined up for the Yeah, the you do. You guys do so much. Like you're Crazy always time. live. Gary's live. So many things are happening. <laughs> It's with our life and we love it. You the medication's well, working beautifully. <laughs> you just Keeps bring joy. Here. So I have to thank you just for the, that's why I think you're a perfect segue into the holidays. You give a great reminder to people through your words and your stories of 
the holidays and things that are important and things to cherish and pause and reflect. So I thank you for that. And I just loved, I just love talking to you. I just love every time I see you. I mean, it's just, it's a joy for me. So thank you for taking the time. Me too. I always love chatting with you and I promise it won't be, we don't have to wait until February 25. Okay. We'll have a we'll have a mid-year reprieve. Okay. I'm excited about that. And thank you everyone for tuning in.